Hey, this week on the 167, we're talking about Romans 8, our new series in Christ, and about Jake being the wind beneath my wings. Welcome to the 167. Hey, welcome to the 167. We are here with Birthday Boy. Happy birthday. Whoop, whoop. Yep. I turned the big 6-0 Big 4-0, he said. Yeah, four, big 4. It's the 20th anniversary of my Aww. 40th birthday. <laughs> Excellent. So what's it like to be 40? Uh, I have no idea. I can't remember what it's like to be 40, honestly. Well, I'm 41 now, youngin', so uh, let so, me tell you. I do remember what it's like to be 59. Do you have big plans for your year? No. Okay. <laughs> <The> year. <laughs> so with us is yeah. birthday boy, uh, Pastor Rick George. Birthday man, sorry. Yeah, birthday man. I think I'm going to maybe build a church for my 60th birthday there year. There you go. There you go. That's, that's the goal. And the man who is both young in spirit and the youngest one at this table. Does not have a birthday nearby. 27-year-old. He's not going no. to have a birthday for the next five years. I will, there stay. You go. I will take that. My name is Jake Reeves. Pastor Jake Reeves. <laughs> Not Great. 27, but 34. Yeah. We're just out and everybody. Boom. Yeah, uh, I know. All right. With yep. you, as always, Pastor Lucas Motley. Hey, great message this Sunday. Thank you. Started a new mm-hmm. series called In Christ. We're walk- walking our way through Romans 8, which, I mean, not Romans 12. No, it, Romans 12 is good. It's favorite. Romans 8 is also good. Therefore, so, therefore, we are in Romans 8. Yeah. yeah. So for everybody who happens to be watching or listening uh, kind of in real time, like you're, you're current, make sure you get to church. Get in person. Be here uh, as we go through these four weeks of Romans 8. Um, I, I truly believe that uh, the Holy Spirit wants to do some transformational work in the lives and the minds of our church family. So... Get here, participate. If you can't get here, at least go online, uh, listen yeah. to the messages. You can find us at newlifegardener.com. You can download our app and go to the messages tab and find yep. the message. Uh, make sure, or you can find us on our Right Now Media page and go in there and listen to uh, the message because it was, you know, yep. it's worth Good. listening to. Catch it up. So this week, uh, you were talking about right thinking leads to right living. I mean, you said it in a way that made my head spin. What was it? Orthodoxy? I don't know. I just made that up on the fly. I don't know. Orthodoxy leads to orthopraxy. Now, I have to say, you're always the one that's like, oh, you use fancy words. I'm like, never in my life have I used or even heard the word orthopraxy. So congratulations. Thank you. Uh, So you were saying basically right thinking leads to right living. So what are some practices that we and our listeners can use uh, that help us change a thought that helps us translate that into good action and good living. Yep. So uh, all of us have kind of tendencies to um, have a lot of negative thought patterns that take us into bad places, you know, not even talking about with our walk with God, just in general. And so it, it requires that we be very intentional to shift that wrong thought and make it a right thought. So the Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians, uh, whatsoever things are right and true and pure 
like the, the, he gives us a list. He says, think about those things. Mm-hmm. And so what I what I do for myself, and I encourage other people to do as well, is any thought that I have, I need to ask: Is this a true thought, a right thought, a, a pure thought, an honorable thought? Um, and if it's not, then I have to replace that thought with a thought that is true or right. Or so, uh, you know, if I wrestle with, you know, which personally for me, a lot of times I'll wrestle with confidence, you know, uh, and so I'll I'll say things like, "Oh man, you just you never know what to do. You're so dumb." Mm-hmm. Like, okay, that's not true. Like it it feels true, but I have to say. No, I have been called by God to fulfill a purpose. He, I have the mind of Christ. He will equip me. So I have to replace that negative with something that is positive. But it's not just, oh, pick something positive. It's pick something that's true. And if you do, from like when God said, this is who you are, then that's a true statement. And I can, I can hold on to that. Mm-hmm. Right? And so as we begin to shift our thinking... Uh, Romans chapter hmm. 12, to not be conformed to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing or the changing of your mind, your thoughts, right? So it begins with, I have to be transformed, and that transformation is a very intentional, like, I have to choose to think this way and not that way. That's really good. There is a moment in that that I, you know, I felt like you handed me an iPad box that said Romans 8 on it, and then I opened it up, and it's like, oh, it's Romans 12 yeah, again. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> like, I unwrapped it, and it was like, yeah. it's an iPad, and then I opened the box, and it's slippers. We're, we're just calling it Romans chapter 8, but it's really <laughs> Romans chapter 12. So, yeah, it is, um, you know, our thoughts. You know, we are... This coming week, um, uh, it starts to transition. It says that we're dominated. It start, you know, if you're consumed or dominated by certain patterns of thought, um, that's where it starts. Man, we all, that battle. Uh, so throughout... Spoiler, spoiler alert. Yeah, so throughout the Bible, man, when you start hearing about a spiritual battle here or putting on the armor, the first thing in the armor of God in Ephesians is the helmet of salvation. Why? Yeah. It's because our minds need to be protected because the battlefield that takes place in the spiritual begins right there in your thoughts, in your mind. So yeah. the enemy knows if I can get your mind, I, I got you yeah. like you're, you're toast. And it's not just positive think you need salvation. No. You need the redemption of your thoughts. And so it's what led to the, and I mentioned Adam and Eve kind of, so what led to their fall was a thought. Mm-hmm. So there was a deception from the enemy that created some confusion in their thought process and so they had wrong thoughts of what the consequence, and so they sinned. Yeah. Well, and a lot of this, I feel like, when we start into that wrong thought, that's when we go to our coping mechanisms. I'm depressed, I'm this, and then I go to what I, you know, whatever I'm going to do to soothe that. Right. So then you go to your feels, right? Yeah. So my thoughts are screwed up. So now I, I'm just going to go with what I feel, and feelings are so fickle, and if all you're doing is... Um, you know, soothing your feels. I don't feel good, so I'm going to do something. I'm so I go feel. get a burger. Yeah. So then, yeah, then you're just going down that mm-hmm. road of destruction, which leads to death. So, Pastor Jake, when you, if you have a thought like that that's on repeat, what's something that you do to kind of 
break that, like break that cycle. Uh, it's all in what you consume. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So like, yeah, Pastor Rick is dead on. But like an example would be so early on, you know, my 20s and even as I was leading worship, I, I didn't like listening to worship music just because as music, it's maybe not the most inventive or yeah, I mean. Yeah. It's, it's meant to be sung, so it's easy it to, it to get along with. And so it took me a lot of maturing to kind of get to a point where now, like, I'll throw on worship music. Like, and because I'm more interested in the heart of it than I am, you know, these crazy progressions or whatever it is. And, you know, because I think about even, you know, while we're, we're plugging that, we're also, we've got a, a song that's rolling out with this, The Battle Is Yours. Mm-hmm. And, like, a song like that reminding when... You know, we're white knuckling life. It's God's response. Like God's going to take care of it. And the bridge says, all I have to do is start praising. And like when I praise your name, the enemy flees. And so that is one of the hardest things for people to do is when you're not in a good place to turn around and praise. But when you do it like so that like having somebody else's words that already wrote a song that gets stuck in my head and then I can turn around and be like, all right, God, I, I praise you that I do have salvation. I pray, you know. And and I'll piggyback with that. Music is a powerful medium. It's a powerful tool for both good and evil. Like there are people who get in these really dark mindsets, dark places of despair and depression. And if you were to pull up their playlist, you're going to hear a lot of dark hands like, down this is the best yes and it's just music. like it just you're down and you start listening and it just it brings you further down right yeah. am i am i right it's yeah. like some of that dark uh, well, it's discouraging it's, and it just sucks the life out of it but on the it's the anti love <laughs> yeah so on the flip side of that you know the <laughs> worship music and and when you're singing all i have to do is start singing all i have to do is start praising your name like yeah, it, does that mean that, oh, I just, if I'm discouraged, just sing a praise song and I'm free? It's the beginning. The The enemy cannot coexist with the Holy Spirit. They're, yeah. They collide. Mm-hmm. And so it starts to push the enemy away and bring you know, the Holy Spirit closer to it, brings God into your situation. It refocuses your attention, your thought process. Yeah. So. Now, one of the things that you were unpacking for us this Sunday was. Um, you were talking about where Paul talks about how Christ has set us free from the law and death. And I thought that illustration was fantastic where you talked about the law of gravity when you're in a plane, because I think that planes fly by magic and wizardry because it doesn't make sense, you know, but it's like I'm in this steel tube that's super heavy and the law of gravity is pushing this way. And yet the law of aerodynamics overcomes the or yeah. lift, you yeah. know, overcomes yeah, lift that. and thrust. And, you know, it's all part of that law of aerodynamics and, Yes, you're talking about grace, how it lifts us up. There's the law, but it's it's overcoming that. Um, I was curious because it says, you know, we're you're setting us free from the law and death. And as Christians, I think that we throw that around, and I think it's sometimes it's confusing because we're like, well, don't we all die? And you know, aren't we all living forever, forever, even even in heaven or hell? Or like, so what does that mean? A lot of times, as Christians, when we talk about even now living living dead and being dead versus being alive in Christ. Yeah. So. Uh, one of the, I, I just threw out a couple of examples in my message, and I said, for some people, the death that you experienced was the death of a dream. Mm. You know, like, man, I always dreamed of doing this, but because 
I followed my sin pattern, that dream died. It, some, it's the death of a reputation. I was always known as this person. Uh, you know, I, I had incredible integrity, but then, you know, I did, and I followed that pattern, and now my reputation is shot. Um, I had a dream of having a, you know, this or that, and, and all of that just went away. So um, it's not a physical death necessarily, could be, but it's the death of something else. Mm-hmm. Um, so sin always produces a death of something. Sometimes it's just the death of of your own con- like I like I died. A part of me died inside because I know that I'm trying to live this life and people see me this way, and that's not who I really am. And something in me died because of this. Well, and there was a teacher that I was uh, I had in Bible college, and he was talking about you know Hebrew, and he's talking about the Jewish mindset, and he said, you know, when you read things in the Bible. He goes, for the Jews, it was always both physical and spiritual. And it was like kind of a loop that they were in. And so like he said that, he goes, if you read death, it is, yes, you are going to die. But also there is this spiritual component to it. There's a separation component to it. And I I think that's really changed the way I read the Bible where it's like, you know, because I think some people take one or the other. Hey, this is exactly what it meant. It means, you know, Adam and Eve, they're going to live forever, but now they die and that's their punishment. And it's like, well, they didn't die right away. I mean, eventually no, they did. They like did. So it led to later. a physical death, but immediately there was a separation. separation. There was a yeah. death that took place. They were ashamed. They they hid their you know that relationship. Uh, the intimacy died that day. Well, and that's the thing when you read in the New Testament where it's talk about, hey, you're going to have eternal death in hell. It's yes, you are going to die and stay dead, but also it's eternal separation. Yeah. And when you read eternal life, it's you know, not just you're going to live forever, but you're going to live connected. And so there's these like both yet, you know, it's that yes, both spiritual and physical. But But yeah, so that that whole um, airplane analogy, um, I mean, it's just powerful. Like when I kind of locked onto that, I was thinking, I mean, how true, like the enemy wants to act like gravity. You know, Satan wants to pull you down. There's that constant... You can't get away from it. He is relentless, throwing things at us all the time, temptations, struggles. Like, it's just always there trying to pull us down. And at the same time, you have, you know, the Holy Spirit coming along saying, I'm trying you to lift. the wind yeah. beneath I'm, my wings. Well, that's not exactly what I was thinking, but thank you. Um, so, that <laughs> meddler. <laughs> so, yeah, they have the Holy have Spirit known. trying to lift us up, right? So, we're he's taking us to higher levels, and at the same time, the enemy is pulling us down. And so, it's that constant battle that's going on that is you know, reflected in some of the passages we read about this constant battle and the the apostle Paul saying, I'm never free from this struggle. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love that response from, from God, because he says, you know, I'm I'm never free from the struggle. There's this tormentor and God says, my grace is sufficient for you. Like, it's kind of like that, you know, it's like, I, gravity is always trying to ground me. And it's like, and yet, you know, like you are still in the air. Yeah. And so like with an airplane, it ain't going nowhere. Until the the laws of aerodynamics are initiated, it's going to set right there. It mm-hmm. doesn't just float in the air. It, there has to be a uh, an intentional engaging of this other law that says 
we can overcome the law of gravity, but we have to initiate it. And then yeah. it does. It, do, the, it doesn't just happen automatically. And all the components are there. I mean, it's yep. not like the air changes when it's your decision yep. to go. Yep. But uh, Pastor Jake, so I wanted to kind of jump off that because you talked about, um, you know, it doesn't mean that it's going to quit. You know, that gravity is always there. So inevitably we are going to fall prey to temptation. You know, like Satan's going to come one day. We'll be like, ah, oh, crap. Yeah. So we go and we sin. What is that moment like for us? Because we talked um, about being free of guilt and shame. There is no condemnation in Christ. But what does that moment look like for us or for our listeners where it's like, hey, I just sinned. I know that I messed up. You know, like, is there, do I have to feel guilty for five minutes? Do I have to feel guilty for 10 minutes? You know, like, seven and a half. Yeah. Should I feel guilty? (laughs) Or if I don't feel guilty, is there something wrong with me? Like, what is that moment? What should that look like? Well, I think. First off, what matters is what sort of identity mindset do you have going into like, okay, so I've sinned. Now the question is, when you look at the fact that you engaged in sin, was that was that you, the you that Jesus sees, or was that, you know, the flesh that is still, you know, still lugging along, lugging mm-hmm. around with us? And I think it it becomes much less about feeling guilt towards ourselves and anger at ourselves. And it becomes more about you. You can then redirect that and be like, I'm I'm mad at you, Satan. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, or, you know, it wasn't necessarily directly him, but you know, the enemy, whatever scheme, you get mad at that. And you are like, man, I'm so frustrated at that. Or man, I just like, I feel bad, but your identity is completely covered by grace. Like who you are and so because when you sin before Jesus, you are, yeah, you're steeped in shame and guilt yep. because it's all on it's, you. It's you. It's That's your identity. And you, yeah. And you like, got to take care of it. You wear that death and that sin on you. But when you step into Jesus, that, you know, we're, we're cloaked in righteousness and everything. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't think that means that you just go with like this aloofness of like, oh, I just sinned, you know, whatever. Um, in my head, when you were like, Satan did this, all I could hear is home. I was like, look what you did, you little jerk. <laughs> yeah. like, I got mad at Satan. Yeah, yeah. So there, so. <laughs> but there's a huge difference between, it, it seems the same thing, but it's not. The difference between uh, condemnation, which comes from the enemy, mm-hmm. and conviction, which comes from the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we're told that the Holy Spirit was given to us to be our comforter, to be our guide, to be an ever-present help with us daily as we go through these struggles. But it says he also convicts us of our sin, meaning that that little twins, that that conviction of, I know I just messed up, yeah. and, and that bothers me. And it doesn't bother me because of me. It bothers me because I failed him. It's, it's not a good reflection of Jesus. Um, and so it's that conviction of, I need to get this right. It's from a position of love where you're like, yeah. oh, Jesus, I love you. You know, yeah. God, I love you. I, I want to live like yeah. you and look like you and, and smell, you know, yep. like you in your kingdom. And oh, I missed, like, that's, a, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a weird, you know, like you said, it should bother you or, but it shouldn't necessarily just, you know, destroy your whole world because, you know, I've grown up in the church my whole life and it's always funny to me because, I always listen to pastors that are like, you have grace in Jesus. You have grace. Now, and then that get that they start to panic and they're like, now that doesn't mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, well, and it's it, like, 
you know, I, I know that, but it's, it's kind of like playing a basketball game. Like we talk all the time about how sin means miss the mark. If you're in a basketball game and you're blocking and you're boxing out and you're playing the game and then you shoot the, you know, you get the ball finally and you take your shot and it, you know, runs around the rim and it goes out. And it's like, you wouldn't be like, oh, I'm just going to go sit on the bench. You'd be like, I want the ball again yeah. because I want to, you know, like, and then in practice, you would sit there and practice and you'd practice that shot until you, unless you're Shaq and then you can't shoot three throws and, yeah. You know, Whatever. but I mean, like you practice it over and over and over again, hoping that you can eventually make the shot. You don't. And then, like I said, if you have a good coach, he's not going to sit there and let you go. I'm so stupid. I should quit playing basketball. And he's going to be like, no, man, it's OK. You missed a shot. Let's do it again. Let me show you football over here. No, I'm kidding. I'm yeah. kidding. I'm <laughs> Maybe you should kidding. run track. <laughs> so one of the last things you said was you said that my current struggles are not God's punishment. And so how can our listeners, because you know, even this morning I was talking to somebody, we were talking about how to talk to their friends about faith and um, how can our listeners talk to someone who's in that struggle? Because a lot of times when people are in the midst of it, it's like, you know, they're in the midst of tragedy and they're like, why would God do this? Why is God doing this to me? How can we talk to somebody else about God's place in our struggles? Yeah. So you have to, you have to know um, and have confidence in God's character, in his love, um, who he is at the core and how he relates to his people as a father, like as, um, as the creator and someone who desires a relationship with us. And um, again, orthodoxy. So if your theology and your view of God, your thinking about God is skewed, then your living, what you take from that is going to be skewed as well. So if you see God as this uh, brutal, punisher, harsh, taskmaster master that just is uncaring and judgmental, then yes, it's gonna, your thinking is going to be affected by that, and you're going to see this punishment. Right? Um, and the reason I uh, brought that up as one of the points is I have had over the years um, numerous people on all kinds of levels of struggle in their life. Uh, someone came, uh, talked to me one time because they'd had a miscarriage and they were really struggling because as a teenager, they had an abortion. And so this was God's punishment because of that. And it was like, that's, that's not the God that I worship. That is not, there's nothing uh, in scripture that would support that kind of thought. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, had various issues in life. I mean, that's just the one that came to mind. Right. Um, another one, I had somebody that uh, there was a, uh, they had storm damage in their home. Like a storm came through, their home just happened to get a lot of damage. So I was like, I don't know what I did wrong and what God is, you know, it's like he was punishing me. For, I was like, it was a storm. It wasn't. It wasn't God's anger, like, you didn't pray enough or you did something bad, so now I'm going to blow the windows of your house out. Or, um, so you have, to have, you have to know God, have a good understanding of his heart, his nature, his character, his love, and who he is as a father. He's a good, good father, right? And you have to remind yourself of that. And, but we have an enemy who absolutely wants to ravage everything that we have and kill and destroy, right, to steal things. And so our focus shouldn't be on why is God punishing me? 
It should be, am I fighting the good fight? Am I like, I need to be aware that the enemy is attacking me and I'm going after him and I'm not going to just set back and blame God for everything. Well, it's the character question, what you're talking about. If there's two people in front of you, you know, your car, your tires are slashed. There's two people in front of you and you're like, I think that pastor Rick slashed my tires. I'm like, and does that sound like past, yeah. you know, like, yeah. does that sound like them? No. Well, what about yeah. this guy over here? Well, he's a, you know, delinquent. He's got a record a mile long. Well, maybe, you know, like, so if you, the more that you believe in God, like you're saying, the more that you believe in God is good, the less likely you are to go, that doesn't sound, yeah. you know, like that doesn't sound like God. And then sometimes there's things in life where like you, like we've all sat with people and like, I don't know why, why God's doing this to me. Like I lost my job. And it's like, well, you've been a terrible employee. It's like you, God didn't punish you from taking your job away. You haven't been showing up for work. Mm-hmm. You haven't been doing it. So, like, no, you have a part in this, right? Yeah. You, so sometimes we're just suffering the consequences. It, we're not condemned, but there are consequences for poor decisions. Right. It's not God's punishment. It's the natural consequences of what happens when you violate his laws or his plan or his ways. And, and sometimes so, you're a collateral damage. Like I tell people all the time, we say we're in a spiritual warfare. We're in a war, but we all expect not to be hurt or shot like mm-hmm. that somehow like we're going to take a hill, but it'll never happen to us. Right. And it's like, you know, like I said, and sometimes like you said, you get hurt because you're not, you're not paying attention to orders and you go off by yourself and you get captured. Right. And then other times it's like, Hey, take the hill. And some of you on the way up there are going to get hurt, you know, but I've already saved you. I've already won this war, but we all expect not to be yeah. touched mm-hmm. in any way. So yeah, it's, you just have to, do a little deeper dive into here's my struggle. What are some of the possibilities that are at play here? And when you're in the midst of that moment with somebody, you're having coffee with somebody Mm. and they're like, like that I had a miscarriage. Like sometimes they're not real receptive to, well, you're just thinking about this wrong. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's why I said you got to do a deeper dive personally and then have people around you that you do trust because, yeah, people say things that they say them when they're you're trying to be caring and compassionate, but the words just come out and they're they're hurtful and they're it's not intentional. But mm-hmm. and so you just got to step back and say, yeah, it's a character thing. Who is God really? Mm-hmm. And um, help that let that help guide you. Well, and for our own life, I think that that is why it's so important to do the work ahead of time. Like to do the work now to say, I know who God is. And that way, when those moments come, I can go, I can fight that thought. No, 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 no. You know, like that's not who God is. I live in a fallen world, you know, kind of doing those things. Yep. Our enemy is, as you guys are talking, I'm just thinking like our enemy is not to give him too much credit, but I don't want to take too much away. He's a smart, Yeah, he's smart. Yeah. And so he knows that. After, even especially like speaking to those people who've you've accepted Christ and you've made that step. Okay, so maybe you're in this place of, I believe there's a God and I believe that he died for me. Well, what can he do then? Mm-hmm. He can start to shift your opinion on his character mm-hmm. because then you can be like, wait a second, what did I sign up for? Like, I thought God was going to be good. I mm-hmm. thought, you know, that this stuff, and that's like the enemy's going to use whatever he can to get in there and if you know you've already blocked off the road of like complete disbelief of God and everything 
he's going to get in there and warp God mm-hmm. in uh, whatever way. And I don't know. I was just thinking about that yeah. as you guys well, were. That's a dangerous or, thing. Yeah. It's not that I don't believe in God, but now I don't want it's like God. Yeah, it's like, well, why why would I want to, you know, stay engaged in church or why would I want, you know, because I went through a divorce, I lost a child, like all these things that are extremely painful and in the wrong mindset you take it as, well, God punished me and that's yeah. it's not true. No, like that's not, not God's heart. And so if again, that's who God is, I don't want it. Exactly. Yeah, so then exactly. you got to go back to it's your thought process, mm-hmm. right thinking, wrong thinking. So if your thinking is wrong in that way, it's going to result in wrong actions, wrong living. And so just to keep in mind that there is a battle going on right now, mm-hmm. just like with gravity and, and thrust and lift, and that battle is a spiritual battle, and it's taking place in our minds in the way that we think. And so we got to capture that. Uh, again, Paul says, capture those thoughts, bring them into obedience to Christ, because if you don't, you're going off the rails in a hurry. Yeah. Well, it's going to be good. I think this is going to be a great series. So if you guys are here, make sure you go online, uh, go to our website, our app, Right Now Media, and watch our last message. And then uh, come this Sunday, stay tuned. We're going to talk a little bit this week about uh, how do you know if you are born again? Like, kind of like, because it's in Christ. Well, how do I know if I'm really in Christ? What, like, you take yeah. a COVID test? Yeah, it's, okay. you know, stick a, a thing in your are there, nose. Are there two lines that stick you... a thing in your nose? Uh, uh, and... uh, uh, uh. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see you then when we talk about that next week here on the one sixty seven. Hey, welcome back to Seven Minute Stories. I am here with one of the elders of New Life Community Church, Randy Swearingen. Hey there, and his lovely wife Lisa Swearingen. Thank you. I had to let everybody know that it was a lovely life because some some people just you know listen to the audio; they don't get to experience the full uh, <laughs> video on YouTube. You're missing out. <laughs> you are missing out. You can go over to YouTube and like and subscribe and hit the alarm bell. Uh, you, you can go. get all the seven minute story updates there. So tonight, uh, you guys are going to tell us your seven minute story about a particular issue. What are we going to hear about? We're going to talk about some of the miracles. If we did all of them, we'd be here for quite some time, but uh, some of the miracles that occurred in and around my heart attack on December 9th. All right. Are you guys ready? We're ready. Take it away. Oh, I'm first. (laughs) We we stayed up even last night going over this again. (laughs) I know. You got your notes. You're all prepared. We do have notes and everything. Um, You know, I thought a lot about what I would want someone to take from our story, and I would want someone to know how God had worked behind the scenes and how he just went before us. And uh, I'll start with Deuteronomy 130. Uh, The Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight on your behalf. And that's exactly what God did for us. It was in October, um, I began to have a constant thought in my mind. Um, I know now that that was a nudge from the Holy Spirit. And I'm just going to read something I journaled about that. Um, I wrote, I would constantly feel impressed to pray, Lord, give us a long, healthy life together, many, many times throughout my day. In fact, it was so strong and often that I questioned myself about it, wondering if it was out of fear. In fact, one day I remember Randy walked through the kitchen and I prayed in my mind, 
Lord, give us a long life together. Instantly, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, long, healthy life together. It kind of became an anthem in my mind for a few months. On December 9th, the day of his heart attack, it became very clear to me why that small prayer had constantly been on my mind. Prayers for his health, brought to my mind by the Holy Spirit, went before him and covered him. Mm-hmm. So there were more instances of that. Um, did you want to talk about? No, you were going to talk about. Oh, I guess I am. It next. is your yeah, turn. No, it yes, is it my is. turn here. <laughs> so this is one of those stories that, well, the thing is, most of us would prefer that God would just keep things from us, that we wouldn't have to go through them. But this is one of those where God chose to work on our behalf as we were going through it. And a couple weeks before uh, the big day, we will call it, uh, our son was driving home from work. A pipe flies at him and fortunately just puts a hole in his bumper and not uh, somewhere else unsafe. And that meant that he had to take his car into the body shop for the insurance adjuster to come by and check it out and do his thing. So uh, that meant that uh, when the car was in the body shop, Lisa loaned him her vehicle so he could get to and from work. And I play tennis about every Thursday at that time. And Lisa decided, hey, I need the truck, so I'm going to just drop you off. You can play tennis, and then I will pick you up after we're done. So I played tennis for a couple hours. She came by. We started home. I was driving home, and Lisa called the body shop to check on it because she was planning on grabbing the car and running some more errands. Well, in the conversation, the receptionist there told her that, well, the adjuster was here, but he couldn't find a claim number, a VIN number, anything to determine what he was supposed to do, so he did nothing. Of course, that made us a little miffed. We're upset that things didn't go exactly as we planned, but that meant that Lisa came home with me, and ultimately that was quite fortunate, as you will hear, that shortly after we got home, I laid down on the couch and had uh, started getting this, what I call a terrible sore throat, and I described it like going out on a cold day, breathing in real deep, and you feel that burn that goes down your throat, uh, way into your lungs even. And so Lisa, of course, Googles it. Now, we wouldn't want to call the doctor or anything, but uh, she Googles it, and what pops up but an article of a gentleman who had a heart attack, and he described his symptoms with almost the exact same terms as I had just used. So together we decided, well, maybe we shouldn't uh, test this too much, and we packed up in, or didn't really pack up, we just got in the car and she drove me to the ER. We checked in and they just told me to go to the, sit in the waiting room until things had cleared and were ready for me. But just shortly thereafter, a few minutes, I told Lisa, or I began feeling huge pain in my chest, down my arms, and told Lisa, you need to go tell them it's happening now. she did that or I can't remember did you do that or the gentleman another gentleman in the waiting room well I was too upset to do that Uh, I struggled with (laughs) I struggled with leaving him because because basically my eyes rolled back in my head and I was unconscious there for a while and fortunately another gentleman went up to the window and told him hey you need to get somebody out here now 
They got me in a wheelchair, wheeled me back, and really from that moment on, I have, for the next few weeks, I have little recollection of what happened because I was unconscious or sedated uh, most of that time. Uh, but Lisa tells me I had a conversation with the dentist about my tennis because he is a tennis player, and we talked about that and just other things and obviously my condition. And it was ultimately determined that they were going to do what should have been a routine, putting in some stents. Uh, that didn't go great. And ultimately, they found uh, such a, I had like 100% blockage, and I coated on the table. And, but obviously, they brought me back. But all that uh, to say that God orchestrating that where Lisa was with me instead of out running errands. Otherwise, the doctor said most likely I would have died on our couch at home. So he was looking out and working those things together. The way I heard it, I heard that it was a miracle that you were actually not stubborn enough. That <laughs> she said, what if we went to the for hospital? Me? And you were like, sure. And I was like, and she was like, something's wrong with Randy because yeah, he's not being stubborn about it. There was it. definitely something going on there, yes, that told me. You know, and she later on asked, she's asked recently, so you didn't have any idea that something was wrong or a problem? And I try racking my brain and thinking, and actually I'd just been to the doctor in July for a checkup about something else, not directly heart-related or anything, but they took blood and other things, but that didn't reveal what probably could have or we would have hoped to have been revealed back then. But... It led to other things, or God just showed his, himself in other ways. So he, he goes unconscious. What was your two weeks like? Oh, my. Uh. <laughs> well, one of the things. Well, I look back now, and I even then I knew I was surrounded by God. Um, I won't go as far to say that I never know how to put this um, probably the first 18 hours I felt really defeated uh, it was the biggest just battle I've ever gone through in my life um, but I knew that once people started finding out I could just feel my spirit man just rise back up I knew people were praying for me and for our kids and um, I just began to see what a battle I was in, our family was in. I mean, it felt like the biggest spiritual battle. I can't even begin to describe it. It was just like every day I felt like I would wake up, my feet would hit the ground, and it's like, okay, here we go again. Because Satan tried every trick in the book to take him. I mean, we would gain ground and then go back three or four steps. But through all of that, God constantly provided encouragement and people to speak into my life. And uh, I had written something in my journal that happened that um, was really quite encouraging. And it was on December 17th, and so his heart attack happened the 9th. And I wrote, when I got to the CCU this morning, the nurse told me that since Randy would start getting nutrition today, that I would need to sign for a PIC line, and they would use that for everything. 
I immediately felt like this was not something I was supposed to do. The word sepsis came to my mind. I googled PICLINE and saw that that was a risk. Only God would put that in my mind because on my own I, I wouldn't know that. I later asked the nurse more questions, but she really tried to tell me how much better it would be for him. It would be more comfortable for him and keep him from getting poked all the time. I had let it go for a while, but later that morning again, very strongly, I felt the Lord tell me, do not do this. And so I just felt very torn. Uh, It's like, is that really God? And so I had just prayed uh, for the Lord to give whoever was making this decision the wisdom to make it correctly. And so I'd sat there in his room and It had been probably an hour since I had prayed that, and in comes a nurse, and she says to me, I'm here to put in a new IV line. I looked at her and said, IV line or PICC line? She said, a new IV line. He does not need a PICC line. I said, well, good, because I just prayed for God to give the person wisdom who is deciding that. She pointed at me and said, that was the Holy Spirit working through me to confirm to you that you heard him right. Then she began to speak over Randy, confirming that that she knew his healing would be completed, that he would be restored seven times what the enemy tried to steal, seven times in our time he took, finances, and seven times restoration, that she believed he would be better than before, She spent probably 30 minutes speaking over us and confirming Randy's promise, confirming God's promises to Randy. She told me how earlier that morning she spent time going over each medication he was on and if it would do any harm to his skin if the IV failed. She said they wouldn't, so in his case she had to go with the risk involved with a pick line being higher than that for the good. God came through. He went before He used this nurse. She left, and I felt like I'd been visited by an angel. Mm. That's what God did time and time again. Uh, Just That's incredible. It's so good when he does that, where he Mm -hmm. sends other people, confirms it through multiple sources. And then, uh, well, one of the things I appreciate, as I mentioned, I... I was unconscious for a few weeks there in the in the process, and and through that, Lisa had determined to journal about the things that had gone on because we know the word tells us to write things down, write things on our hearts, write them down, or even in the Old Testament how they wrote them on their doorposts to keep reminding us and our generations you know, what God has done for us, and this has been a a great blessing to us and. Normally we're sobbing through most of it. Uh, we're criers now. We are. <laughs> we we literally cry a lot. Cry now. <laughs> more than usual, more than ever, let's say. But but another instance was, I think it was that night or the next morning. Then even another instance of God just stepping up and mm-hmm. coming directly to to Lisa and telling her something. I had written Isaiah sixty five twenty four. I will answer them before they even call to me. While they are still talking about their needs, I will go ahead and answer their prayers. And again, I'll read from my journal if that's okay. (laughs) 
When I left Olathe Medical late Saturday night, December 18th, Randy was declining. It had been a day of bad news. His lungs were full of fluid, kidneys were failing, they had found a heart murmur, and ultimately a valve in his heart had failed. I got in my car to drive home and said out loud, I need to get him moved to St. Luke's, but I don't know how. Being so tired, I didn't think any more about it and figured I would see about it tomorrow. The next morning, Sunday, December 19th, I got to the hospital at 7.30 a.m. and a cardiologist met me as I was coming down the hall. He began to tell me what a difficult case Randy was, and he had been consulting with a St. Luke's cardiologist overnight to try and get him moved there. St. Luke's said yes and took the case. God came through again. God worked on it while I slept. Randy was transferred that afternoon. That's amazing. Yes. It really is. <laughs> I am just overwhelmed by what God did for us and full of such gratitude uh, on how he took care of Randy and our family. And certainly I would have preferred not going through all of this and mm-hmm. and after or so the initial cardiogenic shock also caused my kidneys to fail and so I was in what is stage five kidney failure and and was put on dialysis so I was on dialysis for a time there and there were sessions where I would just shiver uncontrollably I don't know if the technician was doing something wrong or if that is normal but for anybody who had dialysis or been around somebody who has it it is not a fun experience at all and we had ultimately coming towards the end of my what ended up being 55 days in the hospital um, we were scheduled to have outpatient dialysis three days a week which would be very life-consuming we will call it to say the least and there was a I think it was a, a Monday that the I was on the schedule that day for a dialysis session and nurse came in and because I had been having dialysis sessions that ended at midnight or 2 a.m. I said hey you know maybe I can get bumped up the list or something and so they were going to check on uh, whether that was possible they ultimately came back and said well you're you're not on the schedule today and we were just curious why that would have been well ultimately the doctor came in a little bit later and even though he had never been really given us any optimism about my kidneys just uh, getting better real quick, it was always, well, it usually takes some time or potentially, I mean, potentially I was going to have to have a, a kidney transplant after a year or so if things didn't turn around. Well, he said, no, we're going to just take you off dialysis today and skip that and see how the, how the numbers go because they're taking blood every day at this point to check and see how things were progressing. And my, one of the levels is called creatinine that's in your system that the kidneys take care of typically. And my number started out over five. And in addition to that, uh, the doctor decided to keep me an extra week, which was, I'll just say, very deflating. It was really hard at that time after being in the hospital that long. And over the course of that week, my numbers went from over five down to 
down to 2.8 in the course of every day, and the doctor just, uh, he wasn't very, you know, seemingly excited about it, but we were certainly believing that God was taking care of that. Well, ultimately, on that, uh, at the end of that week, when the numbers were down in, in the twos, and just FYI, normal creatinine level is one or less, so you can see I was five mm -hmm. times there to start with. And just the fact that I was skipping dialysis every day was pretty much a blessing too. But, but ultimately, uh, on the, I think it was that Friday then, or somewhere over the weekend, they uh, told me or asked me if I, or told me I was gonna have the uh, port or catheter taken out of my shoulder because I wasn't gonna need dialysis ongoing. And so I actually left the hospital and haven't had dialysis since being in there, which, <laughs> which is phenomenal. I always love that. It's like, we're going to put you on a transplant list and you're probably going to have dialysis. Well, well, actually you're okay. That's yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, the number at the time when he started that would have said, you know, there's no rational reason to take me off at that yeah. point other than God, I think, working in his mind that, you know, something good was going to happen and did. So, yeah. so I'm still at... 3A, stage 3A uh, at this point, but they say people live with that forever, but we're actually still believing that God has a couple more steps to go to put it back to normal. That's right. And throughout this whole ordeal, I was always very vocal about uh, asking God to just take it. I mean, the very first night, I, I know God's the God of the impossible, and I knew any day I could walk into Randy's room and he would be setting up and he would be whole. I'm always going to ask for the easiest way out. I mean, that's, I think, our human nature. But because God didn't do it that way, he chose to walk through this valley with us. And he never failed us. He never left us. We still got a healing. It was just different than, of course, we would like for it to look. You know, but um, I learned a lot through it, a whole lot through it. And I'm I'm not happy Randy went through it, but if he had to go through it, at least, you know, we got stronger from it. Um, our kids grew from it. And, you know, I'll just never stop praising God for what he did for our family and what he did for Randy. Well, you can see that in the way that people, even what we would probably do with our own children, where if we're seeing something and we're like, well, our kid is going to have to go through this. Like we're seeing this come up. Mm -hmm. What we do is we prepare them for it. We walk through it with them and then we help them on the other side of it. Mm -hmm. And we were so blessed. Uh, most of you know that Lisa and I think it was Dana created a Facebook page because just to try and keep up with notifying everybody and the outpouring there of friends and family and people from the church was just amazing in addition to a couple of the guys uh, most of you or many of you will know Jason Stump I don't know if he was already heading up this way maybe but he uh, came rode his motorcycle up from Arkansas somehow snuck his way into the uh, ICU there and actually prayed for me through the window. <laughs> yeah, because all this is happening during COVID. During COVID. Mm -hmm. We did yeah. a prayer session via Zoom. Yeah, yeah, we did a prayer session via Zoom. Unfortunately, each day I could only have two visitors, not mm -hmm. 
not swapping in and out, but only two specific people could come in each day. Uh, Lisa always being one of them. I mean, I was blessed. Lisa was there all 55 days with me. And then our kids would alternate typically on their days and stuff. But then Mike Ward, he uh, also just somehow found his way into the <laughs> hospital there. And he literally told them, hey, I'm going in to pray for him. And he, he came in and prayed for me, which was, which was really awesome. And we just uh, felt, and it is obvious that the, all those prayers were effective and, and did their, their duty for sure. There was a day that I felt God tell me to anoint him, anoint him with oil. And so I went home and I knew he had a little uh, vial of oil that he carried on his keychain. So it was actually still in his tennis bag. And I, I found it and I took it back. And of course, we can't call on the elders to come because COVID rules, you know, and having, like we said, two a day in there. And so uh, he was sedated. He couldn't. They said he might be able to hear me, but I just anointed him with oil, and I said, well, the word says to call for the elders of the church. I said, well, you're an elder, and because I'm married to you, <laughs> one flesh. She that's going to make me one, too, so there's two of us, and so I had just anointed him with oil, and I prayed over him, and... Um, it was within the next two days when Rick came by. He also anointed him with oil to pray for him. But, you know, you have to just uh, make do with the hospital rules. <laughs> so that's what I did. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you, you know, I'm not glad you went through it, but I'm glad you're here. Me too. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, we're, we're glad we're here. I'm so appreciative that she wrote these things down and, She'd sit there in the hospital when I was in rehab and read them to me, and they are very uplifting. And as we said, there are so many more of those same stories that God worked on our behalf, brought people to us on our behalf, and it's been an amazing mm -hmm. journey. Uh, I am, I'll just say, probably 75% of back to my semi-normal self or Abby normal, maybe. <laughs> that uh, uh, God's still working on it, but we're leaning or claiming his promises that he gave us literally that I would be whole and, and restored mm -hmm. uh, completely. So that's our continued prayer. That's awesome. Yeah. Any that's final cool. thoughts or anything else you want to read them that we've talked about? Most of the rest of them make us cry. They really do. Time, he, had, so. he had wanted me to read this. I saw you looking at your notebook. That's why I yeah. asked. Yeah. Go for it. Uh, I'll read part we'll close of it. With this. Um, I'll try to get through this part, but this was just kind of where my heart was mm -hmm. the Thursday night of his heart attack. Um, Thursday night was such a struggle. My heart was literally breaking. My mind knew to believe God for your healing, but my heart was in deep despair and was having a hard time with the thought of you being gone. I kept telling myself not to go there. I needed to be strong for Dana and Corey but it turned out that they were strong for me. I prayed, but I could feel such a burden that my spirit man folded. I cried until I thought I couldn't cry anymore, but the tears just slid out of my eyes, even when I was calm. Thursday night, they sent the kids and me home, but I didn't sleep not one wink. I'm thinking, how can I sleep when Randy is fighting for his life? So I prayed. I remember telling God, if you take him, Lord, I will praise you. 
If you let him stay here, I will praise you. But God, my heart is selfish, and I want him here. So I had decided no matter what happened, I would praise God. Um, And I know that not everyone's outcome is the outcome that we got. And I think that's just why I'm so full of gratitude. And there are just, like I said, days that we just, if we talk about it, we cry. (laughs) Well, in fact, there was actually another gentleman named Randy. Yes. That came in with about the same, I mean, a heart attack. Lisa was in the waiting room and met his wife, uh, talked to her extensively, prayed for him, and with her, he died. Mm -hmm. They they were having open-heart surgery at the exact same time, uh, different doctors, of course, and uh, I had heard, we were in the waiting room together, and I had heard them come in and and give her some news that wasn't all that good. You know, he wasn't doing good. And I went over and prayed with her and with her daughter. And like Randy said, within a couple of days, um, he had passed away, and I got to talk mm-hmm. to her again and uh, just sh- share God's love with her. So I know our c- outcome could have been better, but I just know uh, Satan tried to take him, but God's not done with him. Well, that's a, mm-hmm. an amazing story of God working, like you said, before, during, and even still after. Mm-hmm. So thank you guys for coming in and sharing that. I hope that Thanks. blessed you guys at home uh, just to see God's faithfulness through that trial. So if you want to, you can ask Randy and Lisa about it, and they'd be sure to cry with you and tell you. <laughs> and, but thank you guys so much for coming in and sharing that. Thanks, Absolutely. Lucas. Thanks, Lucas. We'll see you guys next time here on the 167. If you enjoyed this episode of The 167, make sure you like, subscribe, follow, get notified, leave a five-star rating and a positive review. Tell all your friends to listen as well. Make sure you go over to newlifegardener.com and check out all that we have to offer as a church and check out our messages online as well. Thanks for listening.